Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm going to make the choice to jump up for a dunk. And as I make the choice and I commit and I move in that direction, then the power comes to do it. Imagine that. Imagine that in the natural realm, like you could just choose athletics. I'm just going to choose to jump. The power will come for me to jump that high or whatever. God is saying in the spirit, that's how it works. You choose, I'll supply the power. Um, Not some crazy stuff. I'm saying you choose to obey God. You choose to move in a direction towards him. You choose to die to your flesh. God says, you make that choice and you'll find my power right there. Help you to do it. Every day is a struggle against dark and light inside you. Satan is trying to make you stumble in your walk with God. And God wants you to let him guide your steps every day. No matter what kind of temptation comes your way, you'll always have the strength inside you to say no. God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Pastor Bill's going to show you that there's no greater power that you can find than what God gives to you for you to live out His will for you day by day, every day. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As we come into chapter six, I kind of got to go back because Paul is getting ready to go through some questions and kind of Paul's teaching style is a lot of times almost he's arguing points and asking questions. So if you go backwards a little bit, Paul has said some things that people could maybe take wrong. So he's wanting to clear that up in chapter six. And one of the things that we were really hit with heavily in the last couple of chapters was grace, justification, just how that God's love for you and his work in your life is apart from the works of the law. And so he's really wanting to get them to the place where they understand. He took chapters one and two to show us how bad we are. And then he's come behind that and showed us that there's nothing you could do to make yourself right with God. Justification is through faith in him. Romans 5, 8, that God loves us even though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the mindset would be, and this is what many people think of salvation is just by grace. And all I got to do is just believe God. Well, then I'm going to just believe and then I'm going to act a fool. I'm going to just live however I want. And so that's what he's beginning to answer in chapter six. We learned earlier that it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Most of us in our natural thinking think it's the baseball bat. What those people need to repent is for God to wump them. But God says many times it's the goodness of God. When people understand how good I am in light of how bad they are. That's what brings people to a place of repentance and brokenness and where they submit and surrender. You know, Jonah, Jonah got the spanking, you know, that's not for everybody. You know, some people are hard hearted and they got to be dealt with. But it is the goodness of God, God's goodness in our lives. And so chapter six opens up with this. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, he says. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it. And so the first thing Paul says is, hey, um, what shall we say? You know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound since he gave us in Romans 5 that, you know, God's grace is able to meet us. It's able to meet people at whatever level of sin where sin abounded and said grace much more abounded. So Paul said, well, that's the case. Then should we just keep on sinning? And some people are afraid to preach grace because they think that'll be the result. It's just grace. And all you got to do is just believe the Lord and he's been good to you when you're bad to him. And so where sin abounds, grace abounds much more is that some people walk away thinking then I can just do whatever I want. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. There'll be no discipline. There'll be no chastisement. I'm free to do whatever I want. 
And what we're going to see in the chapter, and I got to kind of tell you, and then we'll look at it as we go. This will be the answer that Paul gives to that question. And in verses 1 to 11, we're going to learn the answer to the question is that you cannot. You can't continue in this. You're a new person. There's some new things going on. So in verses 1 through 11, we're going to learn that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You cannot continue in sin being born again. The second thing we're going to see in verses 12 through 14 is that you should not. The third thing we'll see in verses 15 through 19 is that you must not. And the last thing we'll see in verses 20 to 23 is you better not because the consequences are grave. Well, as we come to each one, we'll look at them. So Paul says first, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Um, certainly not. Absolutely not. Away with the thought. And says, certainly not. And he says this, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? One of the things that transpires, one of the supernatural things that happens in the heart and life of the person that's born again is, it says, how, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? God's done something in us. Uh, we're now dead to sin. And so what does that mean, though? Because anybody here, y'all got saved like I got saved. And when I got saved, I can't say that I was dead like I got saved, but I still was very much my body with my thinking and my carnal, you know, habits and everything else. And so when God says, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? What's he talking about? Um, I still feel very much alive. I still feel very capable of sinning. And for you guys here that are saved and have struggled with your flesh, struggled with sin, you might be looking and saying, well, man, I don't feel dead to sin. You know, somebody slap you in the mouth. I mean, how many of you feel like I'm dead to that? You know what I mean? You just you slap away, you know? I still don't know if I'm that saved, you know? Um, I ain't been tested. Don't try it. So, uh, you know, but he says we're dead to it. And this is the idea we're going to learn as we go through. We're going to come to a place as we mature in Christ where we agree in our mind and our heart and our body. We agree with what God is doing in the spirit. And according to his spirit, we are different. We are new. We are dead to the old man, but we're going to struggle. What we're going to learn, I think I'm encouraging you to be consistent in your attendance. The next three weeks, chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight, this is like the section of Romans that deals with what everybody here is dealing with. If you struggle in your flesh, if you have some life dominating sin, if there are things that you're like, man, I cannot seem to get ahead. I can't get over this hump right here. I keep falling back into the same trap right here. Chapter six, chapter seven and chapter eight of Romans are designed to walk us through how to end up in a place where we're walking in victory by the Spirit. And so I encourage you guys to just tune in and to stay active, just to be here or go listen to it, but really follow through these three chapters. That's really the heart of it. That's if, if someone comes to me and they're having an ongoing challenge, this is a place that you would say, you know what, study Romans 6, 7, and 8 and understand what that looks like. And so he's going to explain, look at verse 3. He says, or do you not know that as many as of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And so one of the things we always explain it when we do a water baptism is uh, what's baptism symbolic of there? The Bible talks about us being baptized into Christ. The word means to be immersed. And so in the same way that when someone's water baptized, we fully immerse them in the water. When someone comes to Christ, they're immersed into Christ. We have come into Christ. We're immersed into the body of Christ. We're baptized into him. But then when we do water baptism, it's symbolic of three things. Death, burial, and resurrection. There's symbolism there. God tells every Christian to follow him in water baptism. When you go down into the water, we tell you it's like a watery grave. We're, we're committing, we're agreeing with God that we've died to our old man. I've died to my old person. I'm leaving them here in this watery grave as you come up out of the water. 
The idea is that we're coming the same way Christ rose to the grave with new power and new strength and his resurrected form. We're coming out from death to life. Not my life, not my strength, but Christ's life through me. And so there's an agreement that I'm dying in myself. And that's what we're going to learn as we go through this. We said, you died to your old ways. You're dead to sin. We're dying to it. It's a choice, right? I'm not naturally dead to sin. I'm very much alive to it, but I can die to it. I mean, everybody here, consider for yourself. Have you ever died to your flesh? Have you ever made the conscious decision that I'm going to die to my flesh right now? I mean, how difficult is that? How hard is that? But this is what you're going to learn as you keep walking with the Lord. Some things are terribly difficult at first. But as you continue to do so, you learn that becomes your new way of being. There were things that when I first got saved seemed like it was horrendous. There were areas that I was dying to myself in that were just, they were very, very difficult. But over time, they became my new normal. Um, and God was bringing about transformation. Many people never get going in their walk with God because they never agree with him first. First, I got to agree that this is wrong and I'm choosing, I'm going to die to the God. I'm going to die to this area. I can no longer live like that as a believer. It's not optional. There's not an option for me to be this kind of Christian. You know, when I got saved, alcohol was an issue. Uh, there wasn't a drunk Christian option that I could roll with. You know, uh, I'm saved, but you know, I'm going to be in that drunk Christian party. That's not an option for me. I was a fornicator. There wasn't a fornicating Christian option. So there were things there where God said, you're going to die to that. You can't live with her. Um, you can't run around and do what you were doing. You're going to have to wait on a wife. And so he brought me one quick, you know. And so uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, you know. So, But there were things that, you know, I really believe that God was saying, if, if you can't keep doing that and expect God to do what I was looking for him to do over here, God died of that. Talk to me pre-Christ. I would say there's no way I can live like that. I ain't been without a girlfriend since, you know, junior high school. I mean, it was unthinkable that I was just going to be single and do nothing with anybody. But you know what? God worked that out. He worked that out. But there was dying. There was a lot of dying. It wasn't easy. It was difficult. There was intentional dying to the flesh and then figuring out how to help my flesh out. So since I'm going to die to my flesh, let me make sure I don't put myself in bad situations. So my wife, when we were moving towards marriage, she was walking, I was running, but we were getting there. We hung out at her dad's house, because that was a safe place. We'd hang out in her dad's living room, and he would just walk out every once in a while. So trust me, nothing goes holy. It was holy hanging out. You know, that was safe, you know, and that's where we kept it at, you know. But um, my point is this, wherever you're coming from, because we all come from somewhere different with different baggage, different sin issues, understand that there's never going to be a time that God's going to zap you. I used to think that that's how I used to be like, I'm going for prayer and I'd tell them what my sins were and I was asked for prayer and I was really believing that God was going to like, go ahead, put your hands here or whatever you got to do. But I was looking for something to happen in the course of a prayer that was a bam. Woo, I don't even want to cuss never again. I don't want to fight nobody. I don't even like to look at women no more. That prayer is not going to happen. Say <laughs> it's not going to happen. So whatever your issues are, understand that you're going to die on purpose to those things. But this is what happens. Initially, it's going to take a lot of effort and energy on your part to commit to dying. But just like we get good at sinning, you'll get good at dying. And you'll die to some things long enough to where it's like your new normal is over here. It would be abnormal for you to act that way. It used to be very normal for me to speak the kind of language you speak within the world. And I got saved and it was like, you know, I wasn't in a rush to clean up my language, to tell the truth. I didn't think it was that bad at worst things I felt like, but I met my wife 
and Mika was pretty square, and she was already heavily into the church. And this is what happened. I saw her reaction to another person curse in front of her, and it was bad. I mean, she was like appalled that that's how you speak in front of women and children. Like she was like, felt like it was so disrespectful that she said something. I was like, Lord, help me. I need help, Lord. I need help bad. You know, she ain't heard me yet, you know, and I begged God to help me. And he did. He did. He sped up that process in my life, you know. Um, but there was a time where it was I had to really think. I had to think of another word. And, you know, I had to come up with some new words and everything else. But then, like, after a while, it's like, OK, now. It would be very abnormal, very out of character. It's not something I do, you know? It's not something I do anymore. So my point is that whatever you need to die to, I'm saying it will be difficult up front. It's not going to be magical. God's not going to zap you. You're going to die to it. You're going to choose like Jesus chose to die on the cross for you. Me and you are going to choose in our love for him to die to ourselves. God, I'm dying to this because I love you. I'm dying to this because you died on the cross for me. I'm dying. I'm choosing to die to this. But you'll get good at it eventually. You'll eventually get to the place where death to self is how you live. And so when Paul says you're dead to sin now, understand that there's work involved in that. That's not magical, nothing supernatural. Your position in Christ is that you are dead to sin. But for it to, but for it to work its way out actively in your life day to day, you're going to have to practice dying, denying yourself, dying to yourself. So moving on now. Um, he says, just as we were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Verse four. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so he's saying, just like Christ died, was buried, resurrected by God's power. And he walked. You guys know when Christ rose from the dead, he came up in his resurrected form and there was a new power upon his life. That's the same transition for the believer. We die to ourselves, And this is the cool thing. This is where it is supernatural. When you choose death, you'll find God's supernatural power to help you to do it. So God's not going to zap you and take away the choice. But when you choose to die to myself, you will find when you make that choice, God applies his power. And in the same way that Christ walked in a resurrected way, God says, I, there's power. Everything that you need to be the man or woman I want you to be, I provided it. And we can forget that sometimes. We can think, man, God's so hard. I'm trying to follow you. It's difficult. And I'm trying and I can't do it. Stop trying. Stop crying. Understand that God said, you choose to obey me. And as you choose to obey me, I will apply my power. It'll be available to you as much as you need. The Bible says God works in you, both to will, to want to do, and then to do, to be able to do for his good pleasure. So I work in you. So I'm the one that's working from the inside. You just got to commit. You got to work. It'd be like saying, I don't know if you guys here are athletes or what kind of athletes we have. I won't ask because the guys that will speak up, <laughs> I won't say nothing. But anyway, <laughs> I won't ask. But imagine that, you know, all you had to do was choose. I'm going to make the choice to jump up for a dunk. And as I make the choice and I commit and I move in that direction, then the power comes to do it. Imagine that. Imagine that in the natural realm, like you could just choose athletic. I'm just going to choose to jump. The power will come for me to jump that high or whatever. God is saying in the spirit, that's how it works. You choose, I'll supply the power. Um, not some crazy stuff. I'm saying you choose to obey God. You choose to move in a direction towards him. You choose to die to your flesh. God says you make that choice and you'll find my power right there, help you to do it. Some people look at how hard it's going to be and never choose. Like, that's too hard. I've been doing that forever, and they never make the choice. They never agree with God that, God, it's wrong for me to continue in this. I must stop, and I'm choosing to obey you here, and I'm going to need your help, and just start walking in that. You'll find God helping you as you go. And so, moving on now, it says, for 
verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And so remembering that this old man, the Bible says, has been crucified with Christ. My old man, your old man, or if you're a woman, your old woman, the old nature, the old person. God said it's been crucified with Christ. It's been hung on the cross. And the same way Christ hung and he died, God says your old person, your old nature, your old man has been hung on the cross like Christ to die. And it says that it might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Everybody here before Christ were a slave. You are a slave to sin. We'll learn later that whoever you submit yourself to obey is that person whose slave you are, rather to Christ or to sin. And so before Christ, we were slaves to sin in different ways. Everybody here, it may have manifested in different ways. Some of you guys have manifested being liars and thieves. Some other people in sexual perversion. Other people in drugs and addiction. Other people in, you name it, some of y'all in a collaboration of those things and some more stuff. We were slaves of sin. And what's a slave? A slave doesn't do what they want to do. They do what they have to do. And so anybody ever been in a position where I don't want to do this anymore, but I can't stop? You're a slave to sin. I was a slave to many sins. And God said that we're no longer to be a slave to sin. Now that I belong to Christ, I'm not to be a slave to sin anymore. I gave you the analogy before of someone who was a slave to the devil, slave to the enemy. Um, He's a harsh slave master. Um, He treats poorly his slaves, abuses them. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy them. And so he's not, doesn't treat them well. And Jesus says, I come. You weren't worth very much. You were a a wreck on the slave auction blocks, but I purchased you with my own blood. I bought you to be my own. And how foolish would it be for someone that God has done that for? If that person were to say, but man, I know I was a slave over there. And I know that he beat me and he treated me bad. I never got paid, but all my friends are over there. So I'm going to just go this weekend. I'm going to just go back over there where all the slaves go. You go back for a beating and an abuse and everything else. And God's like, I, I bought you out of that. And I brought you over here and I cleaned you up and I got you healthy and I fed you and I gave you new purpose. And I gave you direction and I wanted to keep you over here. Whereas a slave to me, you get fed and loved and treated well and ministered to and built up a purpose in eternity. How foolish is it, though? Because we do it where we have this in Christ. And then we like, but there's some aspect of that that's missed. My friends or the food or I don't know, whatever. There's something over here that we go back for. God says, look, we're not to go back. We're not to be a slave of sin anymore. Now we belong to Christ and we're supposed to enjoy this. We belong to him. And just keep in mind, too, if you're a slave to something, it owns you. And this is the challenge with being a slave to sin because we choose our sins and people can do a sin long enough to where they feel like I'm in charge of this. I kind of do it when I want. I stop when I want. Um, But God says, no, if you're sinning like that, you're actually a slave to it. It owns you. It owns you. It tells you what to do. It makes you get up to go do it. You go against your conscience to participate in it. You spend money you don't have to go buy it. You know, you're a slave to it. But Jesus would set all of us free from any sin that we don't ever have to be a slave to sin again. This is one of the benefits and blessings of walking with Christ is that we can be free from the bondage of having to sin. God would deliver us. And free us from that. But I do think it's important as we're reading through the chapter that you're understanding that there's a part you play. For God does an amazing part. The forgiveness, the positional, situating us. God does all those things, but God calls us to agree now. I am dead to sin. Continue in it any longer. And so moving on in verse 8, it says, Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. I'm sorry, I skipped verse 7. For he who has died to sin has been freed from sin. 
That's our reality. We died to it. We've been freed from it. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And I want you to notice that Paul is using Jesus as an example of what we're to be. Death no longer has dominion over Jesus. He rose from the grave. He defeated death. Sin's no longer supposed to have dominion over us. We've died to it. And dying to sin, we've overcome it. We're no longer a slave to it. We've died to it. We're not to be dominated by anything. And so I would ask everybody here to be very honest with yourself. And if you recognize any life-dominating sin, if you're sitting here and saying, man, I am dominated by this particular sin, um, something in your character, something in your nature, something in your behavior, something in your practice that you know it doesn't line up with Christ, it, it doesn't fit with who you are in Christ, it takes you away from what you're supposed to be and do in Christ, I really want you to identify it. It's important that we identify those things and that we call them what they are, that we be honest about it. Um, because in identifying them and calling them and recognizing them, we can now come to the Lord for help with these things. I don't think it's healthy for someone to be struggling with, you're a kleptomaniac, you steal all the time, you're like, yeah, I just kind of have this one issue. We can really minimize these things that have dominated our whole life. We don't want to do that. You want to call it what it is. I am a thief. I can't help myself. I see some stuff. I got to have it. I violate my conscience. I go again. I do stuff to the family. It is wrong what I do. I'm a thief. I need help. God help me. God will help that person. Somebody over here minimizing it. You know, sometimes what I kind of do is I spent some money, but I go this part in. We can reason and just start making stuff like it don't feel that bad. You know, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I love you. But I know that if you reason with your sin, that you can't confess and repent about the sin that you're reasoning with. You'll never have victory over the thing that you're excusing. And so I can't ever excuse my sin. If you slap me in the mouth and I cuss you out, I can't say, well, you know, I don't really normally cuss, but she slapped me. And so then that just triggered me. And I said, all this stuff, man, it's not really my fault. But after she slapped me, I just, you know, I lost my cool. You know, I got to come over here and say, you know, something in me came out. Right. From the mouth of the heart, the mouth speaks. Something followed my heart, came out of my mouth. You know, you may have been the person to squeeze a toothpaste container to bring it out, but it came out of me. I got to confess my wrong, my sin. God can work with that. God can take you from there and work with you. But you got to be honest first so that God can begin to work with you, work on you. But God can't help me with any sin that I don't confess. You guys remember Saul. God said, kill all the Amalekites, utterly destroy everybody, wipe them out. And Saul came back and he kept King Agag and he kept some of the good animals and everything else. And he came back and he saw Samuel, the prophet, and Samuel, I've done all that the Lord told me to do. And Samuel said, I hear, what's the bleeding of the sheep? He heard some sheep going, bah. He said, what is the bleeding of the Every animal's not dead. And what did Saul do? Saul said, well, the people kept them back for going to offer it to the Lord for sacrifice. He got spiritual. He said, well, the people kept it back. Their fault. But we're going to offer it to God a sacrifice. So we're going to do a good thing with it. What did Samuel tell him? He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. God would rather have your obedience than your disobedient sacrifice. If you got to sell dope to give an offering, you'd be broke. you come to church broke, you know? So obedience would be better than sacrifice. God didn't accept that. God didn't take that excuse and say, oh, okay, now I get it. Samuel didn't say, well, good job then. He said, no, no, God's not accepting that. So we need to know that, right? I got to be honest about where I'm messing up because that's where God will take me and help me from. Moving on now. It says, verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. You might underline once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so he said the death that he died, speaking of Jesus, he died to sin once and for all. When Jesus died, he died. That was once and for all. Everything was taken care of in his death. This is good for you and me, right? Because we're going to mess up sometimes. Even the best of us are going to make mistakes. The best of us are going to fall short and we're going to blow it. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a transforming word.